When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pastor Alan Jackson has served as senior pastor of World Outreach Church since 1989. Under his leadership, the church has grown from less than 30 people to over 15,000 local congregants. Alan, thanks so much for joining me again. Good to see you, Kurt. Good to be back. Well, it's uh, Independence Day. Uh, I'm proud to be an American, and um, we know that, that we have an ultimate kingdom that we serve. And it's not America, it's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of heaven, but we're so grateful to live in a country like this with so much liberty, so much freedom. Uh, what does it mean to you to be an American? Well, I think first of all, it's about gratitude. You know, I have traveled enough. I have been in the Amazon basin in South America and seen people that have no electricity and no hope of electricity mm. and nothing but the circumstances of my birth have brought tremendous privileges to my life, you know, and opportunities I mean, if you're an English speaker, so much is open to you that other for other people they have to climb over a hurdle first. So the blessings mm -hmm. of God have come to us that we didn't deserve them, we didn't earn them, we didn't qualify for them. We have liberty and freedom and opportunity and our kids have medicine and health care, mm. schools to go to. Now we quibble about it, we want it to be more free or whatever, but yeah. we are goofy blessed. We, and I think we have to start with that. I have here a pocket constitution that I keep with me, it, together with the Declaration of Independence. Good for you. Just, you know, some nice, just casual coffee time reading. Uh, <laughs> and, and in it, it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. <clears throat> life is the prerequisite for the other two. Liberty, the pursuit of happiness, or as John Locke said, li uh, property. Um, but that word liberty is so precious. That's been like the cry of humanity for ages is give me freedom or give me death. Liberty. As Christians, we have a unique understanding of liberty because of the gospel. Can you, can you uh, drill down on that for us? How do we as Christians uh, appreciate liberty differently than those who don't know the gospel? I've spent my life in the church, so I'm at least entitled to an opinion. And I think contemporary American Christianity is idolatrous because we've imagined that our liberty begins with the government. Mm. And we've looked to the government to establish justice and as our protection and our provider. And I'm grateful for a good government. That's a gift from God. But the reality is that liberty and freedom in human and beings and in our society begins with God and not with governments. Mm. We have a long Amen. history of reviewing governments and they always go to the same place, increasingly authoritarian and increasingly domineering. Mm. They take away individual liberty and individual freedom and assimilate power at the top of the food chain, whether it's communism or socialism or a failing republic as we have been in recent years. Mm. And so if, if the church will come back and understand that God is the one who brings liberty and freedom, nothing will bring more freedom to a human being than a relationship with Jesus of Nazareth. And the church has got to regain the courage to deliver that simple message. Pastor, uh, what exactly has Christ set us free from and who has access to that freedom? Well, that, the answer to that is all centered in the cross, the redemptive work of Jesus 
On that cross, a divinely ordered exchange took place. Jesus exhausted the curse of sin that, that I had earned and you had earned. He exhausted that upon himself so that you and I might receive all the blessings. So any person can come to the foot of the cross, regardless of our sex, the color of our skin, our IQ, our resources, our education. doesn't matter. Anybody can come to the cross and by grace receive that gift. Mm. And it's a new beginning. The Bible describes it as you become a totally new creation. So you're delivered from your family story. You're delivered from the generational things that might roll up on you. And you can truly then have the privilege of writing a new future with the help of Almighty God. It's mm. a gift for everybody. Mm. Again, it's not oppressive. It's an invitation to liberty. Mm. And that invitation was the foundation our nation was built upon. Our first universities were built upon those principles. Yes. Our legal system, our founding documents, our willingness to educate our children, the things that brought freedom for our children, that initiated women's rights, the civil rights movement was built on the authority mm. of Scripture. And the belief that every human being had an innate dignity before God, yes. no matter the color of our skin. And the further we separate civil rights from a biblical worldview, the more they'll be used to bring oppression to us. Yes. The church has a role to play. And we have been mute for too long, but we're waking up. Yeah. I love how so many of our um, active military um, personnel, my grandfather was uh, in the Marines, uh, how many of them draw their source, draw their inspiration from the sacrifice of Christ made for them as Christians. And um, our, our nation has a history of people paying the ultimate price, that last measure of devotion to protect our freedoms and liberties. How can we as Christians and Americans honor those who have made such great sacrifices on our behalf? Well, that's a wonderful question. I, I think to understand that every generation has to make decisions. If we gobble up the blessings that come from the sacrifices of others, you know, success and sacrifice go together. There really is no success without a sacrifice. And if I succeed without making a sacrifice, I'm profiting from someone else's sacrifice. And what I want this generation to understand is, are, are we making choices intentionally to give success to the generations who are following us? Are we sacrificing for the values that have made our nation strong, that have brought liberty and freedom and, and those blessings to us? If we're not making those sacrifices, we're taking those blessings from the past and we're robbing the generations who come behind us. Mm. You know, we say the World War II generation was the greatest generation. Those young people that waded ashore at Normandy, most of them 18, 19, off the farm, just out of the city. I can't imagine the emotions it must have been when they're pushing towards shore and wading through those waves. I don't think we have that courage right now. And I think what, one of the things that's come out of 2020 and all the disruption is an awakening in the church. And the question that's in front of us is do we have the courage to make sacrifices so the generation coming behind us have better opportunities than we have had? Are we gonna extend liberty and freedom? Are we going to negotiate and be passive with the expressions of evil around us and sacrifice the generations who follow us? This is our time. This is our watch. And we need a more courageous response than we've been seeing. I agree with you wholeheartedly. But what about the people that say, you know, the church has always grown during times of persecution. In fact, there's an underground church in, in, in Asia right now that's just exploding and they don't have liberties. Why is it so important that we protect our liberties here in America when there are plenty of healthy Christians in places that have no liberties? 
Well, that's true. I've traveled, you've traveled the world, and I've been to those places. I've met with underground churches. I've met with people who don't have access to a Bible. I've been in a room full of people who would stand hours on end to get two pages of scripture that I would share with them, mm. or they would sit for 10 or 12 hours on a bamboo bench or on a dirt floor to hear somebody teach the word of God. And I admire their courage and I respect it, but with blessings come responsibilities. And when God has given us those liberties and freedoms, if we don't use them for the sake of the kingdom of God, we will face his judgment. Mm. We, we talk about a God of love and a God of blessing but it's equally true that he's the God of justice and judgment and that you can't talk about blessing without talking about curses. We learned it in physics. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And we have to understand our choices are either going to bring the blessing of God to the generation who follows us or they're going to bring a curse upon them. Hmm. This is serious stuff. We have played with church like it didn't matter. Business mattered. Our hobbies mattered. Our life dreams, our personal ambitions matter. But once we thought we were born again and we were going to heaven, we just kind of closed the box on our faith. Mm. Mm. And that is a very unfortunate and unscriptural attitude. We're called to be salt and light. And so, yes, it's, it's not so that we can just stack up our, our wealth or put our children in a better school or upgrade the label in our clothing that we have these blessings. We're intended to be a beacon of good news for the world. Mm. And if we fail in that, we'll face God's judgment for that. I, I'm always encouraged by the, the words of a mentor friend of mine who's since gone to be with the Lord. Uh, he said, covenant keepers win, covenant breakers lose. Every time, you just have to stay around long enough to see the end of the story. And we're in some middle chapter of his story right now. And, uh, and, and I know that God always uses um, that minority of faithful, principled believers who see the victory of the gospel, armed with the word of God, driven by the spirit of God, and together they can turn the herd around uh, as God uses them in their faithfulness. Amen. That's what gives me hope. Alan, we, we hear it all the time, we sing it all the time, we say it to one another all of the time, God bless you and God bless America. Without really considering what we're saying or asking of the Almighty, what are we really asking God when we say, God bless America? I think sometimes we say it just as an expression with no thought attached to it. But if we will stop and consider it, we're inviting Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, to give us an expression of his grace and mercy. Grace mm. is unearned, undeserved. It's not merit-based. And you and I have led lives that reflect the blessing of God. Did we work hard? Maybe. But God has given us outcomes that we couldn't create. And that same is true for our nation. There are a lot of nations in the world and the children around the world don't have the opportunities that ours do. Mm. We complain about it. We compare one another and say, you've got an opportunity I don't have. But the truth is, the least amongst us has more opportunities than most of the people on planet Earth. Mm. And God has blessed us. And if we have the humility to acknowledge that, that we're not self-made people, that we don't have the most unique natural resources, we're, not, we're a melting pot. You know, we're not an, one ethnic group. We've come from the nations of the world. Most of us were cast off. Hmm. We came here because we weren't doing well someplace else. The people flooding across our southern border these days aren't coming because they were the most successful people where they were. They're coming out of desperation. This was a nation filled of desperate people. And what unified us wasn't a language and ethnicity. We don't mm -mm. look the same. Mm -mm. What unified us was a set of values. We acknowledged yes. the sovereignty of Almighty God. And then he began to bless us. Yes. I know that in, in every good movie, 
Uh, the heroes rise up during times of great distress, and it's often unlikely characters who step into those roles of, of, of character and vision and, and achieve victory through humility and service. And I think there are good people today who fit the bill. Um, um, and I do see people rising up, standing up, speaking up, and, and getting into the fight. And, and you've been saying this over and over and over, uh, how, how sometimes uh, this verse uh, makes your skin crawl, not because you don't love scripture, but because of the way people interpret it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. What's not to like about that verse, except maybe misunderstanding it? What, what's the right way to understand that? Is it only for Israel? Is that not for us? Are we just reading half of it and not the other half? No, I, I think scripture, we have to understand scriptures for us. We can't just lay it off as a historical thing. I mean, some stuff, like don't boil a goat in, your, in its mother's milk. I we mean, that's not- kosher. I, well, That's good news. I, I'm not into boiling goats, you know, but, <laughs> but what about this verse? What's, what's, what's the right way to understand that? Well, let's start with it. That, that's a message God delivered to Solomon. And by the end of his life, he lost the empire. There's a civil war and Israel's divided. Mm. So the promise came to him, but he didn't apply it. To he himself. didn't apply it. So knowing it is not enough. We have to live it out. And I think, to be honest, it starts in a very personal way. You know, we look through the windows of our homes or the windows of our churches and we see problems. But the solution isn't about becoming an influencer on social media or filling a stadium with people. The solution is about taking that truth that we know to our kitchen table and having the courage to say to our family, we're going to honor the Lord around this table. That's a messy conversation to have because mm -hmm. families are messed up places. If you look up dysfunctional, you'll probably find my picture there in the dictionary. There are no perfect families. The only perfect families are the one we don't have enough information on. Mm. And so that the truth starts, the freedom starts at our kitchen table with the courage that we're going to honor the Lord. We're going to get our Bibles out. We're going to pray for one another. We're going to make faith a part of this family's story. And we're going to do our best to honor that and help one another honor that. If you can do that, then you can take it to your holiday table and have that, that conversation with your extended family. Now that is messy that's and right. that's an awkward, and we're reluctant to do it because somebody's gonna withdraw or we're gonna, it won't be a fun day or, and so we just bury the stuff. And then if you can do it at your holiday table, then you go to the ball fields and sit on the bleachers with these parents of your kids or your grandkids and talk about your faith. If we will do that, our nation will change. If we yes. keep waiting for a politician to do it or an election, how many elections do we have to have where nothing changes before we will wake up and go, we have been looking in the wrong direction. That's right. That's right. Even now we're, we're looking forward to the next election. We think, oh, this is the guy, or there's nobody else but that guy who could take care of it. We think, wait a minute, wait a minute. Our founders would say, stop. You're, you're, we're not to be looking to the man. It's we the people that make this work. Yes. And, and, and he's only there in one branch of our government to protect the things that we create down here. But if we don't create it, he can't create it. She can't create it. They'll never create it. We need to create the children who actually make the culture we want and then move into the position to protect that culture. Uh, there's no other way to have the United States of America as, as we know it. So we take your Second Chronicles verse and make it very personal and say, God, 
I'm the one that's done this. The condition of my heart. I have mm. to say that. I have to say that. God, the condition of my heart, my choices, what I have given my heart to, I will change. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel lives his life as a slave in Babylon and then Persian. I mean, he didn't grow up in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's destroyed. He's most likely a eunuch because he's serving in the court, and that would have been a parameter for that. Difficult life. When he gets to Daniel chapter 9, he says he discovered by reading the scripture that it was time for the people to go home. Hmm. And Daniel prays, and he confesses the sins of Israel that caused them to be exiled. But he does it with personal pronouns. He says, we have sinned. We have done this. Yep. He didn't say those wicked people that were in Jerusalem. Right. He puts himself right into the midst of That's that. That's right. And if our generation, if we have the courage to say that, God, we have sinned. We have turned yes. our back on you. Yes. You know, we lit a sexual revolution in the 60s that has wound up in the 21st century with gender modification on minor children, and we think that's a good thing. God be merciful to us. That's right. We have done this. Somebody else hasn't done this. This is our watch. And if we will come with that humility, God will respond. If we don't, and we keep pointing accusing fingers at others, we are going to forfeit a great deal. Pastor, I know that we're supposed to ask God with uh, specific requests to come to Him um, with thankful hearts and present a request to him. Uh, what are you asking for God to do in America today? Well, I ask on a regular basis that God would give us his wisdom. You know, in James chapter one, verse five, it said, if we lack wisdom, we can ask of God. And I think we've arrived at a place where we need his wisdom. What's the best way to protect yeah. our environment? I'm tired of hearing everybody chirp about that that has a political agenda. How do we do that? Yeah. How do we care for our families? What's it mean to love? We need God's wisdom. We need understanding hearts. We have to have a fundamental heart change. That's what our faith is about. We've yep. told people to get saved. But we haven't talked to them much about anything else after that. Yeah. And we're going to have to open our hearts to let the Spirit of God begin to lead us. And yeah. I just say that every day. And then I ask for boldness and courage. The disciples prayed for that. They said, Lord, give us the boldness to speak your word. They must have needed it. And we need it too. How long are we going to be passive and appease ungodliness and wickedness? I know we should love everybody, but there's a difference. You know, God loves everybody, but he still said there's right and wrong. And we have been a little bit in the weeds on this. So I, I'm just, I come every day and say, Lord, we need your courage. We need your boldness. I'll rejoice. Find the things to be thankful for. Find the victories in your life. If you've got a place where you can worship, if you've got access to a Bible, if your kids have health care, if they're going to school, if your grandkids are, find something to be thankful for. There's, some, there's a lot of things you can be upset about. Stop chasing theories on the internet. Stop being a conspiracist. Yeah, there's wickedness in the world. Hello. But let's go lift the banner and celebrate Jesus. And let's become so excited about that and so enthusiastic about that that it becomes an irresistible force in our personality, in our lives, in our homes, in our groups, in our churches. We can do this. God yeah, chose Gideon, terrified, hiding. He said, I'm weak, my family's weak, my clan's weak, my tribe's weak. Wah, wah, wah. And God said, you're a mighty man of valor. Let's go. And getting in 300 people changed the course of a nation. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.